My name is Elifema Chu, and this is Deprivation Discourse. Every episode, I sit down with young people and professionals, and we have a real open discussion about what it is to be a young person in poverty today. You can find out more info about the research project behind this podcast at deprivationdiscourse.com. So I'm here today with PC Janine Turnbull from Northumbria Police. Hello. Hello. Hi. Um, Janine works in community engagement in uh, Newcastle Central specifically. Janine, do you want to explain a little bit about what you do and how you engage the community? Yes. Um, how can I put this in the words? I do an, an awful lot of pieces of work. Um, the main part of, of of our focus is trying to build trust across our communities. So I don't wear uniform, I wear plain clothes with the sole aim of forging links and uh, building trust. So people can ultimately report things that matter to them, to the police. Right, that's great, that's great. So what is it exactly, what's your day to day? Like how do you work with people in the community? Um, you were talking about working in community centres and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I do a, I do a range of, of things. Um, all of our work is based around equality and equity for all. Um, and I know we chatted a little bit about the protected characteristics within hate crime and within the Equality Act. And it's important to remember that all of us fit into that. So all of us have a gender identity, all of us have a sexual orientation, Um and everyone's got the right to have that respected. So my role basically is very grassroot level, organic engagement, just starting conversations with groups who maybe have had no contact with British police at all, who maybe have um, quite severe preconceptions about the police because of policing from their home countries. Um, and really trying to show that you can reach out to the police and talk to us about things that matter to you the subjects that we I tend to come across are um, community safety issues, hate crime, um, sexual abuse and sexual exploitation, more so concerns around that because of recent cases such as the Rotherham case and Operation Sanctuary and, and concerns around local areas. Um, and so it's really, really trying to ensure that people do have those links to talk to us about that because mm. it's so important. Yeah, I think when we were talking before, it, it really struck me when we were talking about, because obviously your role is as a police officer as well, as community yeah. sport. Um, and it just really struck me because we were talking about how the work that you do is about engaging with you know, people who sometimes are victims um, and trying to get them to have trust in the police and that kind of thing. And for me, when I think of the police, I think of, you know, like crime and I think yeah. of having to support people when a crime has occurred or, you know, that kind of thing. But I yeah. think it's um, I think it's really great that it's dealing with victims and dealing with people as well when they don't know that they're victims of crime as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's... Yeah, really that, that's the main part of our work and it's very important because obviously... When people explain things to us and identify crimes to us, such as a hate crime, and that's um, a crime or incident um, which is um, based upon who you are and it's motivated by hostility or prejudice because of that, people don't often realise. So they don't realise that if someone spits at them and it lands at their feet and calls them an abusive term because of their race, religion, sexuality, gender, disability, um, the Sophie Lancaster anniversary was yesterday. That was the young girl and her partner who were beaten up and she 
she had to have her life support machine turned off. That was 12 years ago. And that identified crimes against people who fitted into a subculture. She identified as a goth. Mm. Uh, and, and that can be a hate crime as well. So it's so important that people know that, yes, for example, if someone spits towards them and calls them a horrible word, that mm. that can be reported and that person needs support. It must be awful to experience things like that on a daily basis mm. and not even being aware that you can reach out and talk to people about it. Yeah, it, it, it is, it's an interesting concept to think that people don't know when they're victims because it seems quite clear. I think maybe to me and you, but maybe not to people yeah. who have different backgrounds. And I think as well, when it, when it comes to poverty, I think that people, you know, sometimes... I don't know if this is always the case, but I think sometimes people think that they deserve to be treated badly because they're in a position of poverty and often people think that people have this stereotype that when people are in poverty, it's because of their own personal decisions yeah. and less so because of structural problems. It is it is really interesting and, and a part of our work that has sort of evolved because of our own passion is just trying to really realise and find people's self-worth. So a lot of the, the work we do with groups is just trying to show people that they are important, they are valued no matter who they are, where they live, their mm. rights need to be respected. And we discussed this before that people's, people have a right to basic human dignity, um, which is where the, the period poverty issue and the uniform poverty issue comes in yeah. as well. That's a great link. Do you yes, want to talk thank a little? You. Thank <laughs> Do you, you want to talk a little bit about the Red Box project and yeah. the, the work that you've done with them? Yeah, of course. Of course, the Red Box project are a great national project, um, and we have some really good links with the local Red Box project, um, Red Box Benfield, and that has sort of evolved a little bit because the Red Box Benfield is for schools and for girls to access sanitary items within schools and keep them in education. And the government have acted a little bit because of that and period and tampon tax, as it was called, um, is being addressed as well. So we've evolved our work a little bit in terms of reaching um, asylum seeker groups, sex workers, colleges, any institutions really where women and girls will be struggling to afford sanitary items. And it goes deeper than you think. And I think we th we have these traditional views of poverty. Actually, a lot of the, the women and families that come to us are families where maybe two partners are working. Um, everyone is struggling a little mm. bit at the moment. I'm, I'm not going to get all political and lay blame on that. I just think the way that we are all living at the moment, money is difficult and sanitary items regardless of what people say, are expensive. Absolutely. Um, ridiculously expensive in some cases. And we have first-hand experience of groups that we go to in areas where you might not think this is happening, where there's blood on seats because women can't afford adequate sanitary protection. Mm. And that, quite frankly, is disgraceful. Um, so we, um, as, as police officers, as individuals together with some amazing charities have decided to just help and um, give free sanitary aid, help help distribute really, mm. help help get them out there. And it really helps our work in terms of starting conversations with people as well. Yeah, that's fantastic because when we were talking before, we were also talking about how um, it's the Red Box Project isn't just, you know, throwing sanitary products at people and then kind yeah. of hoping for the best and hoping yeah. that the issue will go away. It's about like education as well and educating people about 
the issues around period poverty. Um, and yeah, we were talking before about how people who who are on a low income and really do struggle, you know, when it comes up the toss up between food or mm-hmm. transport and yeah. um, sanitary products, you know, so you don't, you don't, it's, it's the same, you see it repeated time and time again in the research that I did, there was a really good report done by Kellogg's. Yeah. And it was about how during the school holidays when kids on free school meals don't have any food, like don't have, you know, a secure source of food during the day, parents take their food source away of you know something gets taken away yeah. and it's the same with with period poverty and yeah. sanitary products you yeah. know how do you educate people then about these issues who, who do you speak to about it um and and kind of how can we how can we get the ball rolling further on trying to address um end in period poverty i guess yeah i think there's so many things we all can do at a grassroots level and um Everyone knows their own financial capabilities, but one little thing would be, for example, Aldi do sanitary towels for 49 pence. So if you are able, please, no one is to feel forced, but if people are in a position to maybe buy some panty liners, sanitary towels, tampons, um, deodorants, uh, baby wipes, feminine wipes, even male toiletries, just maybe buy something once a month even, because I appreciate money's tight for everyone. Um, and donate it to your local red box project mm. or um, I'm sure you're going to give contact details of how to contact yourself and you can pass yeah, that on to me PC Janine Turnbull at the central engagement team so that's one little way people can do things um, and then I, I guess the bigger more strategic focus for us is we work with a lot of women's groups across the city and just talking about periods helps us then break the ice to talk about healthy relationships to talk about abuse to talk about what is acceptable and what's not acceptable in this country because people do come with different cultural norms different backgrounds different ways of raising your children and just explaining about the law in England and Wales and consent issues Um, I guess we maybe have to mention a bit of a trigger warning here to talk about um, sexual abuse and um, all those deeper subjects that we as police officers are trained to do and we're duty bound to discuss but they're really important to people mm. and um, leading on from some of the key operations that we've seen across modern day policing involving the sexual exploitation and abuse predominantly of young women and girls but we've got to remember that boys can be sexually abused and exploited as well it's just talking about keeping everyone safe and starting the conversation. Mm. And it's if something doesn't seem, there's so much more to sexual exploitation than just if something doesn't seem right, but even just approaching those messages with mothers, mm. that if you're not happy about something, the little triggers around sexual exploitation for boys and girls, that a lot of women weren't aware of, mm-hmm. and they presumed that these messages were being discussed at schools and some are and some schools aren't Mm -hmm. some families choose to take their children out of certain lessons but still presumed that the school was addressing all these matters well they won't if they're taken Mm. out of these lessons so it's just a conversation with a lot of different professionals um what we find works quite well is we go along with maybe non-police professionals so health workers health visitors um, Shine Newcastle, who was part of Newcastle Council, that's Sexual Health in the Northeast, um, 
again they're, they're not in uniform they're just extremely chilled ladies who will give out contraception alongside our sanitary towels we'll talk and again we're just handing out condoms and mm. packets of lubrication and yes everyone has a bit of a giggle but it's us as professionals we don't have a giggle because this is serious yeah, stuff you need yeah. to know that you can use this you can use that everybody's different every mm-hmm. period's different you have rights to mm. make choices over what happens to your body yeah you can use tampons there's nothing unholy and and wrong and and dirty about using a tampon if you want to use that that's your choice so it's starting all these really important conversations to ultimately build trust so these women know if they then do experience anything more serious they can come to us yeah a lot of it does seem it's about building trust and yes. building trust within communities that maybe you know have had well I, I think a lot of it comes from perceptions and a lot of what we talk about on the podcast especially is about perceptions that people have so we've talked about perceptions of homelessness we've yeah. talked about perceptions of young people in poverty when they're in schools mm-hmm. and you know perceptions of how people who find themselves in difficult circumstances are going to be treated by police officers yeah you know um how do people in maybe more deprived communities you know react to you being a police officer and and working with the police in more of an informal setting yeah do you find from the get-go it's like oh i'm so glad that someone's listening to us or you know like coming to speak to us or is it kind of like you know we don't we don't know you we haven't had much contact with the police before to be honest we've always received a really really good reception around all the communities we go to and of course you 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 work with young people and i've worked with young people prior to being a police officer you do have a bit of a laugh and you have a little (laughs) bit of banter they'll more so have banter with with me around things yeah and there are times that i do need to draw the line and i think that's that's just right for all of our relationships that we have to make sure that banter doesn't cross the line at all so people do need to know i'm still a police officer and i don't expect to be treated with disrespect Mm. um but not being in uniform and not having the pressures that uniform officers have to deal with daily they're constantly um listening to their radio for incidents and they'll need to respond they maybe don't have the time to invest that we do um and not being in uniform essentially does it does break down the barriers and yeah. it does help a lot and, and we always have a really good reception I mean we do go to some groups and no one will say anything right no one will say nothing at all and everyone's so polite about how happy they are and they love being in the UK and everything's fine and then within sort of 20-25 minutes you will then hear people's experiences Mm. and people will start to tell you stuff and I think that's just human nature we are a bit suspicious of what we don't know of course yeah Um, and like you were saying if there's areas where maybe people haven't had the best experiences of the police Mm. and whether they're born in the UK or not Mm. um, people may have had negative experiences or negative perceptions there will be a bit of suspicion there yeah absolutely do you think then kind of coming to the end of the podcast you know I kind of like to talk about you know obviously you deal with lots of different types of groups and people of all different socioeconomic statuses you know and we talked about before the podcast we talked a little bit about before with the red box project Mm -hmm. and distributing tampons and educating people about that that issue you know it's it's people of all different backgrounds yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah um 
I don't know if you wanted to maybe discuss about the work with Newcastle hospitals. Yeah, that's what I was going to yeah, say. Yeah. You know, how can we, I guess what we were saying before the podcast is that collaboration is really key Absolutely. to dealing with the issue yeah. of poverty and dealing with issues that we yeah. face. Um, and I guess you face within the police as well, yeah. Yeah, and, and it is something I do try and give as much time to, but of course I think everyone can appreciate I've also got other duties to do as well. So if anyone has any suggestions, any groups that you think I've missed, I'm more than happy for feedback because I don't think we were discussing this, I don't think I've probably touched every group mm-hmm. that is working within this um, with, within this arena at all and not just period poverty, clothing poverty, uniform poverty, affording toiletries. We discussed about a mum who couldn't afford washing powder and yeah. how that broke my heart and my colleague's heart as well. And we, we work really closely with Newcastle chaplains and um, the, the chaplains for Newcastle hospitals. And this is where we all need to be on top of our unconscious bias as well because I think if someone mentions chaplain me I had a perception of what a chaplain was I I just it's opened my eyes working with the Newcastle chaplains how on the ball how um how fresh how LGBT affirming they are they've got staff members there who are um LGBT with with families with kids and um they're respected and and it really, really does just bless my heart working with them really and the staff there and the nurses that work really hard and tirelessly like police officers. Every month they have bags and bags of clothes, of brand new wow. toiletries, of of baby clothes for the Mothers to Mothers project mm-hmm. and the community school clothing scheme, sanitary towels for the Red Box project items for us. Then we're now working in collaboration with um Red Box Benfield putting together little bags for their apprentices and um, anyone who needs them really anyone who needs them and so it's a little bag of sanitary items chocolate and a pamper and some toiletries yeah um, for, for any so, women yeah I thought yeah. that was so lovely when you mentioned it because um I think often when little people, bags of kindness I yeah think they're calling yeah them. because well, it is a little bag yeah. of kindness you know because it's like when people can't afford things there's often shame attached yeah to that. of course and a lot of what I've looked into has been about the shame that people feel about being in poverty and not being able to to have shower gels and that kind of thing mm-hmm. we were talking before the podcast about the cost of really basic things like shower gels and I just thought it was really lovely that there was there's these kind of luxury things yeah. in there because people should experience nice things just because maybe they can't afford it at that time and you know yeah I think that's I think that's really wonderful and they're looking as well which is what I love about the people I work with that they've addressed that also men can experience poverty mm-hmm. people who don't have periods can experience poverty mm-hmm. um and it's really important to realize that yes um majority of women do have periods but some some women and girls don't of course, yeah. um and they still experience the same struggles there'll be things that they will be struggling to afford and buy so they're putting together little bags of kindness that aren't um gender specific with with sanitary towels yeah. um so anyone can can use them i think that's really nice as well that is nice and it's such a forward way to deal with like just a an age-old issue of yeah. poverty and deprivation it's yeah. like it's really taken into account how how we deal with people as individuals now and not yeah. just as like a gender stereotype or like you know um, I think that's fantastic. Is there anything else that you'd like to mention about the work that you guys are doing? Or is there any way that people can help? I guess you talked about donations. Um, yeah, I mean, 
that's one real grassroots way of helping um, and it's maybe a sort of zero effort um, other than the financial effort that if people were able to just pick up we don't need expensive we don't need like high-end luxury um, supermarket brand shower gel shampoos washing liquid is a key one at the moment and washing powder detergent just any of your day-to-day toiletries that you think people could need mm-hmm. um and then they could maybe get in touch with with yourself yeah, emma course, and you yeah. could i could like arrange well, collection we'll but we'll, we'll have all those yeah. details there <laughs> the community school clothing scheme is on facebook Newcastle hospitals are on Facebook, as are Mothers to Mothers and the Red Box Project. So just check it out and see how you can get involved. And yeah. if anyone has any feedback or suggestions, we're more than happy. But of course, holiday hunger, which was the issue you're talking about, that's real. And our team are working with different organisations that are looking to address that and looking to do diversionary stuff over the summer as well with young people. Mm-hmm. Mary, my colleague's really involved in that around some parts of the East End and also poverty around Christmas and people fleeing domestic violence and abuse at Christmas. Um, It's a time where domestic abuse can be really high, can Mm. be at a peak for individuals and um, people leave and they maybe don't have any presents for their kids and people can often pick up free presents for children for Christmas, but nothing for older teens. Mm. And so um, we also organize collections of presents for older teens, DVDs, CDs, gift sets so if anyone has anything that they want to donate that would yeah. be brilliant and just remember we're here to help yeah yeah thank you so much for being on the podcast no today, janine it's been wonderful and i hope everyone sorry for over sorry for what? the time <laughs> yeah been no, you didn't at all. thank you very much no problem <laughs>